High drive. Did he get enough? Going back Smith. Trap. Wall. See ya. Another home run for Sanchez. Three on the game. Another two-run shot. And the Yankees lead 11-3. You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. As always, you have Sam and Steve here for the episode. Sam, what's going on? Big weekend of dingers. But some disappointing news that we got to start it off with. Luis Severino going for an MRI tomorrow. Steve, I woke up in a great mood. Had a weekend at home for my birthday dinner and got to see the Yankees hit approximately 38 home runs in a three-game series. I was thrilled. But then, of course, it just all comes crashing down with the news of Luis Severino. He says he was felt discomfort when he was long tossing and he's being sent back to New York for an MRI, this being a shoulder, it scares the shit out of me. I'm not sugarcoating this at all. A shoulder is 10 times worse than an elbow, as they all say. And I am very, very concerned. Yeah, and uh, I agree. It was kind of the same thing. Uh, I I missed the games this weekend. I was uh, doing a little Final Four action, so if my voice is a little raspy, apologize for that because I can barely... Feels like I can barely talk after after last weekend, but it, it is it is concerning. The shoulder for Severino is is a killer. I don't know why, but it immediately gave me flashbacks to Michael Pineda when the Yankees first traded for him. He was kind of in a similar situation. Was just like I don't know, my shoulder kind of hurts, and then he tried to fight through it for a little bit. And he was in the DL for a while to start his Yankee career. And then they're like, oh, you need labrum surgery, which is the injury that actually Miguel Andujar has. But that's a full twelve to sixteen month thing for pitchers at minimum. So I the only Thing I'm trying to hold my breath for is he doesn't feel any pain. It's just weird discomfort and didn't feel right. So I'm hoping this uh, this MRI just reveals some more inflammation and no tears. And we just, I mean, at this point, you just sit him out until the All-Star break and just say, get 100% feel right, get until you feel perfectly good before you start throwing. But this kind of has some, based on the injury news we've seen for the Yankees this year, this has some scary thoughts of a, of a lost season for the newly signed Yankees ace. It absolutely does, and it's very, very scary. And you mentioned Miguel Andujar, who has a shoulder injury right now as well. Throw in Severino to that and assume they're both out for the season. That's two huge contributors from last year's team. Then you throw in Didi, who I'm not expecting until a week or two after the All-Star break, maybe even early August. So... It's just a, a very, very banged-up Yankees team right now. But my article today that dropped on GothamSN.com, I detailed how this team, yes, I know it was the Orioles this past weekend, but they were very, very resilient. They were missing 119 of their 267 home runs. That's about 45% of their home runs. And they got several – they got – nine home runs from players who were not even in the top five last. So if Luis Severino is done for the season, I'm going to be really upset, but I think they're going to add a starting pitcher sometime throughout the season. I don't think it's going to be Dallas Keuchel. Agreed. But we saw the 2011 Cardinals. They lost Adam Wainwright. They won the World Series. Wainwright was their ace as well. 
I'm not saying the Yankees have pitching depth like the Cardinals did this year, or excuse me, that year, but this is not a lost season if Severino is done for the year. It absolutely isn't. Yeah, no, no, I mean more for just uh, him on a personal side here, building off oh, those, those Cy Young seasons. I, I but, totally agree. Um, but it, it's, I agree. I think we could get cut out the Dallas Keuchel thing immediately. We're actually recording this during the Houston uh, Yankees game here to knock a Verlander. Um, we wanted to get it out the way before the March Madness kind of took over here. Um, and we saw Keiko pitch really good against the Yankees for years in an Astros uniform. Um, he's holding strong that he wants a deal that will top the qualifying offer he declined. So he wants $18 million for one year minimum. No team's giving him that, so he's sitting out. Or he wants a long-term deal. And I don't think teams are really willing to give him that at this point either, especially the Yankees. So a lot, a lot of tweets saying, just go get Keiko, call it a day, move on, get Keiko. I don't think that's even close to being an option, so we can kind of just throw that out the window. Um, it makes the signing of Gio Gonzalez look a little better. Who knows what Gio's going to do? Um, he's still down in, in um, down in Tampa kind of working on stuff. He's got about 12 days, so about two weeks, before he can opt out uh, of his contract. Given this Severino news, I don't see any way Gio opts out of the, his deal with the Yankees because he's gonna, like, he gets like 300000 to start, and you got to assume that the Yankees are going to need him for a few starts here. And I don't see a team giving him that, um, you know, up front, giving him like three or four million or something he could easily get to for the Yankees now. Um, and then you got CeCe. CeCe's coming back. He could pitch this weekend. He pitched down in, uh, in a rehab game earlier. So, like you said, losing Seve is a clear ace of the staff is a huge loss for them. But they do have some depth. And we know Brian Cashman might already be working the phones. 100% they add a starter via trade if Severino's lost for the year. So I can see them kind of holding off on Severino, willing to see if he'll come back, because he could be then one of those, uh, Severino could be our mid-year acquisition, as te- people love to say, like, oh, DD will be our, our trade deadline acquisition. I think the Yankees will hold out hope that will be Sevy this year, and then if it looks like that's not the case, they'll, they'll make that, that deal for a pitcher, possibly a Bumgarner or, or someone else who, available on the market then. Yes, Steve, you mentioned Gio Gonzalez a little bit ago. He got really hit around opening day down in Scranton. I mean, really, really hit around. But that's no indictment on Gio. And if the Yankees say we're serious about signing Dallas Keuchel, people have to understand, these guys are not ready right away. It would take them four or five weeks. You look at Lance Lynn last year with the Minnesota Twins when he signed, you know, during spring training – he said Former it's no Yankees. excuse, but yeah, he, he said it's no excuse, but it's a yeah, it's a reality. You don't yeah, you, until you're pitching against live MLB players, you're not ready to pitch against live MLB players. So it's like a weird kind of chicken or the egg here thing. The same with Gio. Gio looked great playing in like Vegas against like some like seventh graders. Then he signed with the Yankees and got beat up by some like AAA people. Like it, it's it doesn't matter how good you look in front of a simulation until you're out there actually pitching. There's really, you know, no um, correlation to know how well you're going to do. And that's what the Yankees are going to have for Severina, too, whenever he comes back. Whether at this point, you know, it, it was, wasn't going to be, you know, mid-May. Now we're looking at maybe July or August. It, we're not going to know if Severino can pitch this year, how effective he would be because he hasn't wouldn't have pitched for a long time. And then at that point, it'll be almost a full year dating back to last year uh, of Severino struggling. You know, he had, he had that, you know, not great second half that we thought it was about tipping pitches, but maybe that was the start of something in his arm. Um, so it, it's a, a whole big domino effect here that the Yankees got to 
kind of operate close and, and be careful here because they did just give him uh, a decent extension. You know, they're not playing around here with, you know, um, a pre-arbitration player making no money. They just gave Severino a decent contract at a young age. Yeah, you're right. They did. And going back to what you said about how it takes time for these players. Again, people can't act like if they signed Dallas Keuchel that he'd be ready right away. It would take him four or five Maybe even six weeks because you look at Lynn last year, he had an ERA over five and a half at a point, and then he lowered it in his last 12 starts before he was traded to the Yankees to about 3.7. So Dallas Keuchel is not immediately the answer to the Yankees' problems, and I think they're going to add a starting pitcher near the deadline. I don't know who that's going to be, but I would be utterly shocked if Dallas Keuchel was in a Yankees uniform at any point any this year. And like I said, I hope Severino's good to come back in August or September. But right now, I am just taking it that he's going to be out for the season. That is my expectation. I am prepared for the absolute worst. And the Yankees aren't screwed. Tanaka, Paxton, hopefully Hap gets his home run ball under control. CeCe is going to be back. And another guy who a lot of fans are not talking about, is Jordan Montgomery. He should be ready by the All-Star break. And remember, this guy had a sub-4 ERA in over 25 starts in the American League East in 2017. That is very, very hard to do. So Montgomery's name has not been mentioned, but he's going to be fresh coming off Tommy John surgery, and he's a name I'm looking out for. That's uh, I've, I've forgotten about uh, good old... Uh, Gumby out there. I, I'm a little. I always get nervous with with t- thinking about Tommy John guys coming back. He got it around. When did he get it? In like June early last year. June. Yeah, early June. Early June. Um, so for me, I like to always think it's like 16 months for full Tommy John, which which kind of puts him out for this year. But like you said, September. So yeah, early June, September puts him at you know you know 14 months. That could be someone that the Yankees need for to pick up some innings late and in going into the year and possibly looking in the playoffs. That could be a, a playoff arm that we're not counting on. So you, you never really know there. So for now, the Yankees will do with what they got. And if they have to make some moves, they make some moves. Someone they got right now that is a positive sign on the mound, Domingo Herman. Again, looked great. He had some, you know, he walked a few as he usually does. He didn't strike out that many actually versus the Orioles this weekend. He only had three strikeouts, which is surprisingly low given what he normally does. Um, got through the sixth inning, entered the sixth inning with a no-no going, you know, still finished, you know, strong. Great sign for, for Herman coming into the season as a lot of a lot of fans weren't really looking too highly of him after his year last year, in which he but he did show some good starts last year and then got shelled in some good starts. So two good starts for Herman to start the year at a time where the Yankees desperately are, are needing him for for that pitching depth. So to see if he can continue that uh, this week when he goes again on the mound. Yeah, we'll see if he can continue it. And the big thing for me yesterday, I watched the whole Yankees game as I was doing some things, doing some homework. His control was so good. When he has that control, he is very, very hard to hit. My only question is, Steve, can he have it on a consistent basis? So far in his career, that answer has been no. But when you look at the Yankees pitchers this year, you know, Sabathia is coming back. And now with Seve not on the table to come back in the foreseeable future, we'll see the results. It's 
you wonder what the role Domingo Herman is going to have this year. Is he going to stay in the rotation? Is he going to go to the bullpen? One thing I can tell you, if he continues pitching like this, he's going to play a major role on the Yankees' 25-man roster. And I'm looking forward to it because if he gets the control down on a consistent basis, he's going to be a good pitcher in this league for a long time. Yeah, do you know what I was most exciting about um, was his use of the changeup. Um, he's got a live fastball, you know, 94, 95, you get it up there. You know, got some, some serious whip on, on his break and stuff, but he doesn't throw the changeup all that often. I mean, he used it a lot versus the Orioles, and, and he really kind of benefited from that. He had a couple of his strikeouts were based off the changeup. Um, you know, it looked like he was going to go deeper into the game, but kind of struggled there before uh, Boone pulled the, pulled the string on him here. But like I said, 11 innings so far, 10 Ks, uh, and 7 walks. So he still got does that, that high walk. Um, ratio that he's got going on there, but overall he's got it's crazy. He's got only he's only given up three hits all year. Like he's that that is you know eleven innings and three hits. Like that's awesome. Like we're, I'm more worried about his walks than his hits now. So that's how you know how nasty his stuff is. That it might be easier for batters just to sit there with the bat on your shoulder and hope for a walk. I mean we've said that a few times over the past few years with Dylan Batanzas how nasty his stuff is that players just don't bother swinging and hopefully he walks them. That might be coming the case for Herman because. You got three hits versus, versus seven walks. Um, it, it, I'll take that ratio for the hits because there's only ten people he's put on base. I mean, that, I'll take that all the time. So that's a that's an under one whip so far, Herman, for this year. Um, I don't care what lineup you're facing here. If you could do that, you're here to to stay in the rotation. Absolutely. And what I really liked what he was doing to left-handed hitters, especially, I believe it was his changeup. He was working a, a either a breaking pitch or a changeup inside out against lefties, and he was having fantastic control on it. I believe it was his changeup. I don't know. I've never seen many pitchers do this. It was going from the inside part of the plate to the outside part of the plate against lefties, and it was very. It was going across the zone. Hitters didn't even know it was coming. And it was a very, very good pitch for Herman, especially yesterday against the Orioles. And if he can keep that going, I'm excited to see what he can do for this team. Remember, the Yankees acquired Herman for Martin Prado, or they shipped out Prado, and they got Nathan Eovaldi back. And it was a choice between three or four or five single-A pitchers for, from the Miami Marlins. And the Yankees chose Herman, so... Now, Herman, obviously, Evaldi not with the Yankees anymore. Herman's the guy from that trade. And when you look back, he was just a, a single-life project that the Yankees took a chance on. And he's contributed a couple nice starts here so far in 2019. Yeah, definitely not bad at all. Um, to go back on the other side of the rotation here, and you mentioned it just to kind of start off the podcast, was, you know, good old Jay Happ. To put into comparison here, it looked like him and Herman numbers are completely flipped from what we expected going into the year. Hap, only eight innings pitched in his two starts. He's given up 10 hits. He's given up three home runs. So Hap's given up more, the same amount of home runs as Herman has hits. Um, not, with, not what you expected, as you said, from comparing Herman to, to Hap here. Of, you know, a, a throw-in for a trade for a few years ago for Herman to Hap, who is getting up there in age and just signed a two-year with a third-year option. Not the numbers we really wanted for for Hap here, and his two games in, but still highly inflated ERA of six point four eight. 
I'm going to put this hopefully on age and say it takes a little longer for him to get ready and he doesn't like the cold weather maybe and uh, yeah, hopefully that it comes around, but not the start we want for Mr. Happ and his, uh, his new contract. Not at all, and the home runs are definitely a concern. He gave up a few last week to Baltimore, and he gave up one to Trey Mancini on Saturday night. And th this is very, very concerning to me because he was having these problems with home runs in spring training. So I really hope it's just, like you said, longer to get ready. But with him having these issues in spring training, I'm very concerned. Just hopefully get him a few more reps. He's going to be in the rotation and you just hope he figures this out because the Yankees, especially with Luis Severino looking like he's going to be out for an extended period of time, probably the season they really need Jay Happ and Jay Happ. The, you know, part of the reason they were so high on him when they acquired him last year is because he pitched very, very well against the American league East. And so far, Two pretty rocky starts against the American League East's worst team, the Baltimore Orioles. And on Saturday, he only let up two earned runs, but only went four and a third innings. That's not the length they want out of Jay Happ. No, not at all. And that was the game that I think we could kind of go into to the Sam's rant of the week here, sticking with the same rant as last week with uh, Aaron Boone kind of leaving Jonathan Holder in uh, a little too long and, and possibly almost cost themselves – uh, a game here, so I'll let you go off uh, on Boone and his his bullpen use again. <laughs> this is getting really concerning to me, and I, and I really hate that I've had to rant about this two weeks in a row because well, we have a bullpen full of freaking assassins, even without Patantas, you know, Adovino, Britton, Green, Chapman, and Jonathan Holders getting left out there to throw 59 pitches. I mean, come on. And not only did it almost cost him the game Saturday, but – I know they were up 9-3 at this point on Sunday. He left Tarpley in to face Joey Rickard again with two runners on with one Joey. swing. It could have been could have been a 9-6 game, and he had just homered off of him a week prior, and that was my rant as well. So I really need the bullpen as much as he has been because his decisions last playoffs were really, really questionable in terms of leaving Severino out to dry in game three against the Red Sox. It's just very, very confusing to me. He really needs to get a handle on this because it's going to cost them games down the stretch. They're lucky they were playing the Orioles in that step on Saturday because if that's a team like the Astros or I know the Red Sox bullpen is rough, it's not going to be the same result. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't make – the older did his job. He he pitched fine after filling in for Hap. And then to leave him in there and then kind of bring in Adovino in a tough spot, actually gets him a blown save here, which is really unfair given the situation of the game, um, is, is not what you needed there. And I, it seemed like, you know, you got to prepare the bullpen for longer stretches and you had Herman going. You don't know how long he was going to go in the next day. But, again, Yankees got to go day by day here and try and win – every game and they have the bullpen, you know, save the bullpen if, you know, if you have to, but like, don't, that's, he already went an inning and a half. Like there's no need to stretch him out that longer. You know, you're, you're now into the sixth inning because you're not like in a third inning here trying to save the bullpen. You have enough spark to pick the rest of the bullpen up here. So another kind of mistake there for Boone, who luckily to turn into a positive here, got saved by good old Clint Frazier, who went solid Yabo. Comes back, wins the game for the Yankees here. He then has another 
two home runs on Sunday. And it looks like Clint Frazier here, as he said going into spring training, he's like, I need to play where they physically can't remove me from the lineup. And after the past week, it seems like he's doing that now um, for Clint. So it's good to see that, you know, um, good old Ren Thunder is, uh, is doing what he needs to to get in the lineup every day in left field while Stanton's out. Three home runs in two games, and I mentioned in my article today, Yankees fans are finally getting to see that quick flick of the wrist turn swing and that ball just going 420 feet out of the park. Clint Frazier, it was unfortunate last year with Aaron Judge's injury and how he had his concussion while Judge was out with the hand uh, with the wrist injury. But Clint Frazier is getting an opportunity to play right now, and I am enjoying it very, very much, just as other Yankees fans are, because this is the was the big fish or one of the big fish in the Andrew Miller trade. And you look at yesterday and who contributed for the Yankees in their win against the Orioles. It was a 2016 trade deadline, guys. Clint Frazier and Glaber Torres. Frazier, two dingers. And then with the big go-ahead one on Saturday night, he is going to be playing. And when Stanton comes back and when Hicks comes back, it's going to be a discussion whether either Frazier or Brett Gardner is going to be playing because right now, Frazier looks like a man on a mission, like you said, where they physically can't remove him from the lineup. And if he keeps hitting three, four home runs a week, I can assure you he is not going anywhere. And I'm so happy for this kid because he has been through a lot with the concussion thing last year. That was very, very tough for him to deal with. And he had fans on Twitter giving him crap. And he had he had some media saying, saying oh, does he really have concussions? Yeah, it was a really tough time for the kid, and I'm happy to see him shine these last couple games, and I'm really looking forward to see if he can keep it going. Yeah, huge for him. You could even see it in his interviews with uh, with Meredith after the game. He's been very upfront and honest about how tough the past year has been, and then he struggled a little bit in spring training, but then huge home run there to kind of save the Yankees' win there. I think, you know, it's early in the season here, but that's something if the Yankees go back, and you know, they, they look back on it earlier, later in the year, is it something they can pinpoint as a big win and a big possible turning moment for this team and for this lineup. I don't care if it's versus the Orioles. We didn't beat them last year, as you often say, but we need to start beating them more often. And and this was it was a good win. It was a good win to get the sweep there, too, for, for the Yankees. And then you mentioned Glaber Torres. The two of them are, as you said, you know, those are the kind of the young studs at the trade deadline that we thought would be the carry of the Yankees. You know, since then, it's kind of been some other young kids. Like I said, and Andy Warris kind of come up. Aaron Hicks has been playing awesome, and obviously Judge is Judge. But those are the two guys that people looked at for the future of the Yankees when they were kind of in that, you know, 30-minute rebuild here. So it's good to see Frazier kind of force his way up there. His defense still needs a lot of work. He's had a couple defensive lapses here, a couple air merrill throws. Um, so the Yankees will definitely still value Gardner's defense a ton. So it's going to be really interesting when everybody gets healthy. But until that point, there's no need to worry about that. Until there's actually Aaron Hicks's playing in spring training, extended spring training games, until John Carlos Stanton is back swinging with the Yankees, there's no need for us to worry about what's going to happen with Clint Frazier because today, tomorrow, the next day, Clint's going to be in the lineup five, six times a week, which, which is needed here. And, and obviously, sticking with Glaber Torres now, he'll be in the lineup literally every day. Glaber Torres now playing shortstop because, as expected, Troy Tulowitzki 
got hurt. Little soft tissue issue in his. Oh my god! <laughs> Six games. That's all it took. I was really praying that for Troy that he was gonna kind of shoo everybody away and say, "Look, I was I fixed my injuries. I'm done." But just even the injury in general, just a soft tissue calf injury was the perfect Troy Tulowitzki injury to throw him up. I didn't even see it happen. He was all of a sudden he was just out of the game in the second inning. Um, but it's given life to Torres here. He, you know, we've had him penciled in as, you know, this everyday second baseman for a long time for the Yankees, but he's going to be playing short now and it's a big position and he's hasn't been, hasn't missed a beat at, at the plate. He's probably done even a little better since, since Tulo went down. It's a big responsibility for the young kids here. Um, but again, not a shock that uh, good old <laughs> Tulo is on the I, the IL. Steve, do you think the, Management and Cashman and Steinbrunners are surprised at this. No, they can't be. They they had to. This was a throw a quarter in a well and hope you get a dollar back somehow. So if they if they're surprised, I'll be disappointed because nobody in the world is surprised right now. See, the thing with him becoming a low risk, high reward, I think goes totally out the window because they were expecting him and they be the starting shortstop. They were. They, they've said it often too. There, there wasn't even a, a a battle for who it could be. It was. This is. This is only going to be it. Um, so it's it, it's disappointing. I I haven't heard any update on him since he got taken out. What was that on Wednesday? Um, so who knows how long this could be? But I'm going to try and stick my focus on forgetting about Tulo until he's back and just say, you know, the Yankees have actually a decent defensive infield now. You know, Tulo was a great defensive out, infielder as well, but. Now this puts, you know, DJ LeMayu at second or third every day and days that he moves to third. Tyler Wade's a great second uh, baseman for defensively. So to, to be Stevie Sunrise over here and think of the positive things, the Yankees' defense is pretty good. Even even uh, Ursula, who's got a great glove at third and is getting the start tonight versus Verlander. Um, but, yeah, as you expected, there there's no – you mentioned a bunch of other guys that the Yankees could have signed cheap to – I always kept thinking about uh, – Hechevarria, you know, that giving him a, a deal was kind of what I was assuming the Yankees would do to kind of prevent this injury type thing. But for, for Tulo, there, there's no shock for anybody who's ever watched a game of baseball that he's hurt right now. So it, at least in my view, the low risk, high reward narrative from management goes out if that's what they were thinking. Does it does it go out the door with you now that he was expected to be the starting shortstop? Yeah, they put they put a, they put a lot of. They put a lot into it. They, they, this, was, this was their plan. They expected him to play 40 games. Um, so if they get six out of this, it's a, it's a massive disappointment. And uh, the low risk doesn't really, doesn't really matter because there is no reward. Yeah, and they have Urshela up who is now out of options. So they're going to have to keep him up or DFA him. So I'm You're interested right. to see what's happening with him. He had a couple. He had a nice hit yesterday. Just got on base right now. Uh, provides very, very solid defense. So it's going to be Lemayhew, Torres, and Urshela. Some Tyler Wade, but we'll see what it brings for this infield. But with a calf for Troy Tulowitzki, I am very concerned about this because calves take a while to heal. But DJ Lemayhew, and this started obviously with the injury to Miguel and Duhar. He's going to be playing every day in the infield. And I will be the first to say I was very down when the Yankees signed him primarily because it took him out of the running for Machado, even though I think when they signed Tulowitzki, it took them yeah. out of 
the running, looking back at this now, DJ LeMahieu is exactly what this lineup needed last year. It is, and that's what everybody's kind of saying. He's great. He's batting 429 heading into to Monday's game here, and it just seems like he's on base. I mean, he is on base, you know, four or five times a game. His on base percentage is 500, so every other at bat, he's on base. And that's just, you know, for, you know, a complaint about the Yankees only hit home runs, well, now those solo or two-run home runs become three-run home runs or grand slams because LeMay is just going to be on base. So a huge, huge lift there for just the, the on-base percentage in general. For, for the Yankees, and then defensively, it, it, is a, it is a treat to watch him play defense all over the field. At third, he makes the right moves right off the bat. At second, he, he's, he's uh, before he was playing third all the time, he's, and he's playing second tonight. He's very quick to it. It's, it's good to have him there, especially with all the shifts going around with baseball. It's, uh, you kind of throw him anywhere. He's kind of like a floating man based on who's up at bat, and it, it's kind of awesome to watch. And for the Yankees to have him locked up for this year or next year, you know, you, you, there's always injuries in baseball. So the Yankees actually kind of, they, they, they almost hinted at that. When you were talking about the, the low risk, low reward for Tulowitzki, um, everyone was complaining after they signed LeMay. You'd be like, he's never going to get at bats if, you know, Tulo's in the lineup or whatever. And it's kind of almost like a little foreshadowing where Aaron Boone was like, this dude's going to play 125, 130 games for us. Like, don't worry about when he's going to play. And now here we are two weeks into the season and he is going to be penciled in to the lineup every day, just as the Yankees kind of expected. So it seemed like they they expected too low to get hurt. They expected to have to have LeMayu play every day. I'm sure they weren't looking for all these types of injuries, but um, it's almost kind of worked out as the Yankees planned to some extent. Yeah, it kind of has. And LeMayu is just a, a, such a pure hitter. He, he uses all of the field, and he's hitting over 400 in the early going right now. And it's been very, very nice to watch him play every day. He provides good defense at second and third. believe they even had him at first one game as well. I'm not sure. I, I think they did in the spring maybe. Oh, yeah, they played but him at first uh, in spring training, yeah. Yeah, he provides a lot of versatility, and, and he's exactly what this ball club needed. And, you know, singles, doubles, hasn't really shown the power yet, but that's not what he was brought on for. Such a pure hitter, can hit lefties, righties. And I was concerned about him, not only because it took him out of the running for Machado, and I, I was disappointed about that, but the fact that he was he had a 6.73 OPS away from Coors Field for his ah, career. Ah, yes, the, and the everybody Coors only batter. Everybody says he was a Coors only batter, but the numbers kind of backed it up. They did. But so far in the early going, they do not right now, of course – they do not in the slightest back that up. No, they haven't. Now the Yankees got a gold glove infielder and a batting champ in the middle of their lineup every day. So it is, uh, it's good to see here. And then it's going to bring us up live. Look at the Luke Voigt just had himself a base hit. So the Yankees take a one nothing lead here. And that brings up good old L Gary Sanchez, who we need to talk about because this man is just hitting the cover off the ball. It seems like he is going to be a home run every time he was up at bat. He had three on Sunday, and now he has the most home runs in the American League with six, only behind the red-hot Cody Bellinger for the MLB League here. Um, as always, Gary Sanchez just comes down to more of his defense, but I think people forget how lethal this man is at the plate and how lethal he has been his entire career. So some uh, some numbers here for you, uh, uh, um, Sam. 
just because Cody Bellinger currently leads baseball here, and Cody Bellinger has been one of the most prolific young home run hitters in baseball alongside Aaron Judge the past few years. Uh, in 303 games, Aaron Judge has 85 home runs. In 304 games, Cody Bellinger has 71 home runs. In 274 games, Gary Sanchez has 77 home runs. So this man is right there. He has played less games, so he's got less little less homers than, than Aaron Judge. But he is he, he sometimes doesn't get talked about, mostly because his defense is why he's on SportsCenter when he messes up. But this is one of the best young hitters in all of baseball. Forget being one of the best young catchers maybe of all time. And, and he put on an absolute show in Baltimore. That first home run on Sunday just smoked it. That thing looked like it had like 10 feet off the ground and just carried out of here. And then he hit an absolute bomb, you know, 300, uh, 438 feet. Um, so if Gary had lots of injuries last year, lots of struggles last year, but he just isn't talked about enough as being one of the best hitters, home run hitters of any young kid in baseball. Yeah, you're right. He's not talked about that enough. And, you know, really down 2018, wasn't healthy for a lot of it. But that prolific violent swing is back. Three home runs yesterday and had one on Thursday against the Orioles. I'm really liking what I'm seeing. The defense needs to improve. The throwing errors, a couple of broken windows in my apartment because his throws have gone so wild. Not and all his fault, though, sometimes, too, though. There's a, seem a couple Glaber kind of short-armed him, but, yes, they, 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 need to, they need to work on that together. And, and the getting picked off needs to stop. They, yeah. Yep. It needs to stop. That was bad. But I'll live with a bonehead play here and there from him if he can do what he did yesterday because he, there's no hitting catcher in the game quite like Gary Sanchez, and he has 40 home run power. Like you said, you tweeted yesterday, Steve, he could possibly break the record for single-season home runs by a catcher if he stays healthy the entire year. He is that good of a hitter, and I can only pray he stays healthy all year because he is a treat to watch. Yeah, without a doubt. Those are not comparing the two players here, but those bonehead plays kind of sometimes feel like Manny Ramirez, where it's like, oh, Manny being Manny, but don't worry, he went two for four with two home runs and four RBIs. So we'll, pick, we'll take the bonehead play in the field. And that's kind of sometimes how it looks. You got to look at it for Sanchez. He does have an absolute cannon. I feel like I use the word absolute every time to describe everything Gary does. So absolute Gary over there with his, his, his arm in there. He's got to work on getting the accuracy down a little bit. The bonehead plays, you got to... You just got to eliminate them. Uh, but if he, he's got to go easily, has a chance to go down as one of the best, if he stays healthy, catch, hitting catchers of all time. And we can just to bring back some more numbers, you know, Mike Piazza, and he's got 427 home runs uh, in, in his career through his first 274 games, which matches what Gary was at going into today. He's got 60 home runs. So Gary's got 17 more home runs at this point in his career than the best hitting catcher, home run hitting catcher of all time in Mike Piazza. So this is just kind of things that kind of get lost, especially in a lineup where you talk about Aaron Judge and and Stanton hitting the bombs here. Um, Gary, he had a shoulder issue last year, which limited his his ability to play all around. Matched that with the the uh, the groin injuries, and it's kind of was a, a lost year. And he still put up, you know, what he had what sixteen home runs last year. I uh, don't no, more than that, eighteen. Um, but he. He's going to just keep kind of doing it there, and he needs to be in the lineup all the time. He was DHing on 
on Sunday, and that kind of goes back into what we talked about last year, where all these injuries here, you can kind of play him at DH and then have uh, Romine, who showed a little power off a play, uh, a position player, but that opens up Sanchez to maybe stay healthier. We saw it a lot with Stanton last year. He was able to stay off the injured list and play and play um, DH a lot. Maybe as we're you know getting into May, we see Gary a little more at DH just to keep him fresh and hopefully off off the uh, IL um, and let him put up 45 home runs this year because he's he's on pace for it. Yeah, he's absolutely going to see some time at DH to keep fresh and hopefully doing that strategy, keep him off the IL. And Romine is so, so good in a limited catcher's role. Everybody wanted to see him start over Gary at points last year when Gary was struggling and everything. But Romine, he really got exposed in that starter's role. And him in that limited role is so, so perfect. He hits good enough. He plays decent defense. Him in a limited role is perfect. And with the injuries right now, they are going to be able to get Gary a lot of at-bats at DH. And I'm fine with that. It keeps him fresh for the long haul and off of the IL, something every Yankees fan should want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Sam, I want to talk a little bit about um, what's going on in the rest of the AL East. Um, The Red Sox, you know, look look horrible. Their their pitching has had their starting pitching actually it hasn't even been their bullpen. Their starting pitching has been a disaster. And on the opposite way, the Tampa Bay Rays starting pitching has been at lights out. In ten games they've only given up nineteen earned runs. Um the Yankees have given up twenty six in comparison. And then I gotta scroll a little bit here. The Boston has given up sixty four earned runs. Um not the start. Obviously the Yankees at five and four right now. Um, with the Red Sox at um, a solid three and eight, but I know I talked about it with Claudio when we were doing our predictions here. The Rays have come out the gate strong. This is a ninety-win team here, and uh, for the early season here, it, it, this could be easily a three-person, a three-team race for the AL East. When most were planning on being a two-team race between Boston and New York, um, the the Rays. We, we always have our struggles with the Rays here, but the AL East is something that we want to. We want to keep an eye on for the, the for the whole season here, and it's going to be a battle. Believe there are a couple people in the Gotham chat as well with Rays tickets to win the they, AL East. There they, is one I know. They close at about plus nine hundred. So the Rays are a team, obviously, with the 2018 Cy Young Award winner in Snell. They. I can't believe how much they destructed their roster throughout last year and still won 90 games. I said this on the podcast last year. They should have been in the playoffs over the Cleveland Indians. I wish there was a system with strength, the schedule. I don't know. It would be really complicated. But at the end of the day, the Rays deserve to be in over the Indians, I thought. And they they are just a pesky team. The As I always say, Tropicana Field is a house of horrors for the New York Yankees. I always hate playing down there. It, it's the worst Yankee spot to play in the American League East in the last however many years. The, there's been times where they've gotten swept down there, losing two or three. It's so, so annoying to play down there. And then you move to the Red Sox. A buddy asked me on my buddy asked me on my radio show today that I host Rutgers. 
if how excited I was about the Red Sox bad start. I'll be honest with you. It was pretty cool to see them stumble out of the gates, although they really did get screwed starting 11 games out west. I'll be honest with you. I'd be very upset if the MLB made the Yankees do that, and you would too, and a lot of other Yankees Big fans time. would yeah. as well. Got to take that into effect. They got screwed, and I, I did enjoy their slow start, but they are going to come roaring back. They brought the same roster back as the 2018 team last year that won 108 games and won the World Series. Besides Craig Kimbrell, and closing out the ninth has not been any of their worries this year. It's been starting pitching and the offense not hitting outside of Mookie Betts, Blake Swihart, and Mitch Moreland. So the Red Sox are going to be back. They have the ring ceremony tomorrow, which I will not be watching. But <laughs> no, they... They are going to be back. I, I was happy to see them stumble out of the gates, but I would be shocked if this continued. It has. And I mean, they're, I agree that the Red Sox will be fine. And I, But looking at the quick look at the, the Tampa schedule here, it's pretty light. You know, that the White Sox, got Toronto, Baltimore, Kansas City. They got a bunch of games versus Boston. Um, and then they go back to Kansas City and Baltimore. Like, they, we could be looking at, you know, mid-May here, and this, this team is, is lighting us up on fire here if the Yankees struggle be looking five six games out of first place from the from the Rays and that's kind of not what people were expecting going into the year um then the final comment for the AL East just because it happened live right now Chris Davis just tied the record for the most consecutive at-bats without a hit at 46 he is O for his last 46 at-bats um so every time you want to laugh about Jacoby Ellsbury and his contract Please never forget that Chris Davis signed his seven-year, $161 million contract, and he hasn't gotten a hit since, like, September 12th in 2018. So I guess it could be worse, but that is that is hilarious just watching that. And it was actually a weird play. He, like, popped out, but the, the infielder dropped the ball, so he got another chance. And he dropped the ball in foul territory, so we got another chance. And the next pitch, he lined out to left field. So uh, officially, Chris Davis is tied for the worst offer of all time in baseball history. <laughs> I had a buddy text me yesterday saying that if he had trained for March, or excuse me, March, that he thinks he could have gotten a hit off of the same pitch. <laughs> Off of the same pitchers Davis has faced. Now, this kid was a good high school baseball player, but I'm not sure. I think he may have been taking it a little bit too far. But anyway, 0 for 46, that, that's hard to do almost. And there were reporters and fans last year, I've seen on Reddit as well, questioning the effort of Chris Davis. And to be 0 for 46... That that is just ridiculous. One of the most bizarre statistics I've ever seen. <laughs> it's a, absolutely hilarious. I do love that hypothetical. Could you? I'm going to put that on Twitter. Could you get a hit if you had 46 plate appearances and compare that to Chris Davis's over 46? I, I do kind of love that. I personally, there's there's no chance unless I just try and bunt for a hit every time. Then my fat ass tries to just hope that the third baseman just doesn't bother picking the ball up. But I, I love that. I love that hypothetical. Um, I could not. I definitely could no, not. No, there's no I mean, chance. There's no chance. <laughs> I, there's no chance I even touch the ball, I think. But uh, um, I'm, there's definitely going to be some tryhards out there that are like, oh, we easily – I could bat 300 in baseball probably. But Chris Davis has got the .000 batting average still halfway through his game here uh, on Monday. 
Monday night. Um, let's go. Let's talk about some people who do hit the ball, and that's the Yankees with their home run tracker. They put on a show on Sunday with seven home runs, bringing their total of the season to 20 home runs through eight games. A lot of people asking me to put the pace on there, which I think is just kind of silly, especially this early in the year. But for those that really want to know, the Yankees are on pace to hit 405 home runs this season, which would shatter any record ever set here. There's no way they get to that. But the Bronx Bombers were back with 14 home runs versus the Orioles, which tied their their most ever in a three-game series. The MLB record was 15 back in the day by somebody uh, somebody else, not the Yankees. But farthest home of the year, Gary Sanchez also took over that on Sunday with his second bomb of the day was 438 feet. That is is a bomb. I don't care where you're hitting it. Um, He also leads the team with six home runs here. And I think this is pretty obvious, but the biggest home run of the week was Clint Frazier's dinger on Saturday Saturday night to give the Yankees the win there. Um, What other home runs kind of stuck out here? There's there's so many to pick from here, but kind of Gary and Clint uh, dominated the home runs this week for the Yankees. Yeah, Clint's obviously my home run of the week, but another one that stood out was Glaber Torres' on Thursday, a three-run shot when the team was down 4-2, and I put yep. him up 5-4, and they never looked back. Also, the, the a home run that day, Luke Voigt, that just got out of Camden Yards right into the first row, gave the Yankees from a 5-4 lead to an 8-4 lead and avoided Chapman coming in with a one-run lead, which I like to avoid a lot of the times. So those were two other home runs that really stood out to me. And obviously Sanchez's performance yesterday, there were about 30 home runs this weekend for the Yankees, as I said earlier in the show. But Frazier takes the cake, Torres in second, Voigt comes in third. Yeah, all, all big important dingers for, for the Yankees here. So 20 through eight games, as always, follow the Yankees home run tracker at hashtag NYY. HR tracker, um, and I'll update the distance each each week. And maybe I'll do at the end of the week, I'll put up a, a pace for the Yankees as they look to break their own MLB record for most home runs in a season here. Sam, they are currently watching a one nothing game with the Yankees versus the Astros. They got two more Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they had to then then they actually head back to the Bronx and get three versus the White Sox before the Red Sox come in. So we'll record before the Red Sox here. So what are you looking at here for the Houston and White Sox series for the week ahead? I'd like a 5-1 and one or 4-2 and two slate. Compete with Houston. This is uh, – the Astros were my pick to win the American League. So if the Yankees could take two or three down here, especially one off of Verlander, I'd be feeling really, really good. The Astros – like I said, I think they're coming back loaded and w- with a vengeance after losing in five to the Red Sox last year. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing how the Yankees stack up against the Astros, especially since they've played the Orioles and Tigers only so far Definitely. this season. But we'll see how this goes. I hope for a five and one or four and two week. That, w- that would be great. Yeah, the tough matchups for the Yankees here. You know, uh, Tuesday, they got Loisega versus Garrett Cole, so definitely a matchup favorite there for, for Houston. And then Paxton McGue, um on, on Wednesday. And then they got the, the White Sox here. I'm expecting a ton of runs versus the White Sox. They're going against Gallerto, Nova, and Ronan. Lots of runs. Um, Who are those guys? 
<laughs> you, know, you know Ivan Nova, good old former Yankee. He'll be, he'll oh, be going oh, Saturday. You broke up when you said <laughs> I. You broke up and, and then said Nova. It sounded like you said something. It sounded like you said Esteban Nova. Oh, I said, yeah. who's that? Of course I know Ivan Nova. I got his uh, <laughs> had his T-shirt while he was with the Yankees. Honestly. I like Nova, but I think it's a lot of runs that the Yankees and the White Sox are going to be putting up there. So with uh, we got Hermap, Hap, Herman, and Tanaka going Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So high high scoring games versus the White Sox. I'm inspecting here, and kind of the opposite versus Houston. Some low scoring games. But as you said, those four four and two would be nice here. Five and one, obviously even better. Let's just sweep them all. Let's get six and go into Boston. Uh, well, Boston comes here yeah, in a week, um, but. Got to keep the bats rolling here. The Yankees have, you know, some of the scores, some of like their second in runs uh, to early to start the year. So even with these injuries, the Yankees are putting the bats to the ball and scoring here. So that's going to be key is just keep scoring runs and, and get some games um, in this week leading up. Absolutely. And really hope that Hap turns it around in the rotation. Keep scoring runs. And I hope that uh, Herman still keeps pitching well and has that control on a consistent basis. And, you know, the lineup, keep it going. Keep it going. Yeah, that's the plan. Hit some more home runs. We always, yeah, I, I, on the complete opposite side, I love to have, uh, yeah, on Sunday, the home run tracker literally barely fit the amount of home runs uh, needed in one tweet here. So let's get a couple, two tweets for one game home runs here. So let's get some uh, some dingers for everybody else in there. But as always, thank you for listening to podcasting in pinstripes be sure to check out gotham sn for all your new york sports needs sam put up an article already this week i'll have one up there i think it's gonna be about gary sanchez because reading off some of these stats here has got me excited to write about el gary uh so check out everything on gotham and uh, the, the plethora of podcasts game of thrones is coming back so there'll be a bunch of game of thrones articles and i'm sure there'll be a podcast as well thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next week i'll see you later sam toodles